Well, good evening and welcome to the Apologetics.com radio show where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. I'm Harry Edwards, your host for the evening. So if you're tuning in tonight and you're listening on uh, 99.5, we are live right now. We are live and uh, we want to take your calls. I'm going to give out the numbers later. And um, tonight I'm joined in the studio by my good friends, Dr. Jacob Daniel and Logan Zepieri. I guess I never asked you if that's the right way to pronounce your last name, Logan. Yeah, yeah Zepieri. Zepieri. Okay, very good. Uh, so, so Logan, welcome him. You know, he's new here in the studio. Now, he's been uh, a guest before uh, via the phone, but uh, this is his first time to be in the studio with us. So it's an honor, Logan. No, thank you um, I, before he says anything, I, I should yeah. add this. You know, just I, I remember my first day here in the studio in person. Yeah, um, he doesn't look as scared as I was. <laughs> that's true. That's good. Yeah. So I, I commend your confidence. <laughs> Welcome, brother. He, he's a natural. He, he'll be a natural. Um, so, uh, Logan, tell us a little bit of um, you know who you are. Uh, introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah. No. I. Uh so my background education um, was master's of philosophy at Talbot. Currently, I'm doing a master's in clinical psychology at Pepperdine. I've done some work in politics. Probably a little bit of my confidence is having to deal with politicians and constituents um, being called all sorts of things. Um, I've done, I host different classes, book clubs, um, Bible studies. I work with a lot of high schoolers and college students um, when I'm not studying. All right. Welcome, Logan. Thank you. And um, Dr. Jacob Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. And uh, like, like I, I haven't <laughs> seen you since last year. <laughs> yes, oh, it's been a while. <laughs> but you've been seeing me for almost ten years. Yeah, got it. We okay. were just talking about this, uh, Logan. Yeah, uh, ten years back, wow. Harry invited me to join him uh, here for the radio show, and it's been a great privilege. And let me also say that our ministry kind of grew out of it as well. Uh, Heritage Council, so keeping busy, keeping busy with that, and really focusing now on uh, really developing and engaging with the whole idea of church-based academy. So that's what I'm currently working on and focusing on, and so great, trusting great. that the Lord has something good out of that. Yeah, no, uh, and maybe we'll do a show on that. But uh, we see uh, an important movement. And Vishal seems to be, Vishal Mangawadi seems to be spearheading that, but it's pretty much bringing education back uh, within the, church. The, the walls of the church. Yeah. You know? um, be, because uh, the field of education really does belong with Christianity. It has always been. It's always and, been. And it should. Yeah. So that's good. Now, before we get into our topic tonight, I'd like to remind our listeners that we are entirely supported by your generous donations. So if you find our shows uh, valuable and you wish for it to continue, please support us by going to our website, www.apologetics.com. And on the right-hand side, you can click that donate button. Uh, and your partnership is really important to us. In fact, uh, never underestimate uh, small amounts, faithful giving. In fact, that's kind of like what we want. We want more of you giving us smaller donations. Well, bigger ones don't hurt too, but uh, prefer that over a few of you giving us giving you know sizable donations. But 
th that's just how uh, I, I think uh, that works. Also, there are many ways, not, not just that. Uh, you could. We have uh, an online store now, so you can purchase our merch. <laughs> I think that's what you call it, like merch. Yes. T-shirts, mugs, sweatshirts, the whole deal. Um, and if you want to, if, if apologetics is something that turns you on, uh, you feel like you want to get trained, uh, you feel that there's a need, uh, you want to lead um, uh, maybe a, a small group at church, and you want to get more uh, education on Christian apologetics, would you consider looking at our certificate program, our online, fully online certificate program? We launched it um, a couple months ago, um, and I, I went through it myself just to test it out. And uh, hey, it works! <laughs> <laughs> it works. At the very end, you get a certificate in Christian apologetics, and uh, a special for tonight. I just thought of this a while ago. If you reach out to us on our site and you say, "Hey, I'm a." listener or I heard about this uh, on the air tonight, just let us know that you, you want to, that you're interested in the certificate program, and we will give you half off on that one. So just contact us via our site and say, hey, I'd like to do the program. I heard about the half off deal. Uh, please give me the half off deal. That, that's it. That's all you have to do. All right. Let's uh, get into our show, gentlemen. Uh, so, uh, about three weeks ago, the Babylon Bee published an interview with Elon Musk, and it's on YouTube right now. It has about uh, two million hits. Uh, so, if you guys uh, have been living under a rock, you might not know who Elon Musk is or Babylon Bee. So, Babylon Bee is a satire um, outfit, right? A satire uh, organization and uh, they do a lot of funny stuff and um, and we love them uh, I, I enjoy their uh, their articles uh, and they're all satire it's a form of writing where you know it um, where they're just not serious about things you know but but in the way that is uh, that they write it 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 is kind of serious that's the form of satire you know uh, and it's humorous and so apparently Elon Musk is a fan of the Babylon Bee. So that's how they got connected. And again, if uh, again if you don't know who Elon Musk is, he's the richest man uh, in the world right now. He's the guy that uh uh built uh Tesla. He runs Tesla. He also uh runs SpaceX. So it's a it's a rocket company and they launch satellites into orbit. In fact, they do it more than any other company right now. And uh, he's the guy uh, in his company who perfected the reusable, pretty much reusable rockets so that had always been cost prohibitive to put anything in, in space because you'd spend millions and millions of dollars just to discard those boosters after <laughs> it, it's sent into space, right? So if you're going to send another one, then you got a budget, a multi-million dollar uh, budget again for that. Uh, well, Elon Musk did it for a fraction, literally a fraction of the cost, because the boosters, the rocket boosters, are reusable. So he's been able to launch satellites. You know, his company and other companies and other countries, I guess. Um, and he was famous for 
uh, launching a Tesla car into space. I thought that was brilliant. So I think it's still orbiting the, the Earth right now, if I'm not mistaken. So to be the first to do that. You guys didn't know that one? Did not know that one. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Yeah. yeah. Talk about uh, a perfect marketing thing, right? So he launched uh, the, the car into space, one, one of the first things he did. Well, anyways, uh, so if let me ask you guys a question. If you had the richest man's attention for an hour, what would you guys do? I think um, one of the first of all, I would try my best to actually treat that person as a human being uh, with the same kind of longings, desires, trials, and temptations, you know, just that commonly people have around the world. But at the same time, recognizing the kind of influence and impact that person has, uh, where whatever sphere of influence that uh, he or she is having. In light of that, I think I'd be interested in uh, really understanding the foundations of what they consider to be loving and desiring and doing. Uh, you know, so it, obviously a person who is uh, of the capacity like Elon Musk, I would really would love to understand how do they understand life and find meaning in it. Uh, that that's where I would begin, and I'm trying to understand, uh, as as I mentioned, the foundation uh, for finding meaning in life, and then go from there. Yeah. Well, as you know, the interview went, and you can watch it online. And um, a a lot of us, like the three of us here, and some of our friends. In fact, I I don't know who pointed it out to me, but somebody said, "Hey, did you guys see that interview?" And 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 then they talked about some botched uh presentation of the gospel i i had to look into it and uh sure enough i i was uh disappointed uh when i discovered that the the toward the end when they were saving sort of the best for last and uh it in in what i thought looked like a presentation of the gospel it was just horrible it was just horrible um let me see if I can set it up here. Uh, if I recall, they it, it was toward the end of the interview, and they had af- after uh, s- after they talked about more of the, you know worldly stuff, mundane stuff like AI and mission to Mars and all those normal stuff that Elon Musk likes to talk about. Uh, and I, I, I could tell that. The the gospel presentation was part of the plan, but the way they set it up was toward the end they had this rapid fire Q and A, and they um, the questioner was saying, yeah, you could just answer this like one sentence or one word, or you can answer it long or short, whatever. And and the rapid fire questions, the nature of that seemed kind of silly in many ways, right? Like, I think if I'm not mistaken, the first one was like Arminianism or Calvinism. determinism, right? Or something yeah. like Calvinism or Arminian. You know, just out of the blue weird stuff, all right? And and that's supposed to get a chuckle out of some of us, right? Uh, at least that's what their hope. I, I, but I, I think the three of them from Babylon B, they were sort of chuckling, I think. Uh but, and I observed that Elon Musk was taking it seriously the whole time. 
you know, he was, I felt like he was respectful the whole time and really just answering the questions. And maybe that's just his personality as well. But then toward the end, you could tell the buildup, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, if my memory is not not all there. But uh, he says the words were, were like, all right, he goes, this is the final question. And almost sheepishly, almost embarrassingly, he, the questioner asks, do us a solid and accept Jesus. I mean, awkward silence and awkward snickering. Um, and Elon Musk was almost like waiting for the question to continue because he's not quite sure maybe what he heard. But he was being respectful the whole time. And uh, and I forget, someone had to break the awkward silence, right? Um, yeah, uh, it, it was super awkward. Uh, one of the issues that I have with that interview, and I want to be gracious, I mentioned this earlier, you know, I personally don't think as to what kind of engagement they, they had prior to this recording and afterwards. So I want to be gracious to them about that. But it, what you mentioned that they definitely plan to bring in gospel at the end. Uh, and that's exactly where the problem is that, uh, and a lesson for us as apologists and evangelists that we can't be developing a kind of framework in our mind where everything is dissected. Whatever they discuss for an hour and 20 minutes, how could we relate that also with the issues of gospel? That's an important question to think about as well. Not just that we are waiting till the end to share what we believe in. How could they have engaged with Elon on the question of AI? and ethics, what Christians have to offer, or what, what truth are we trying to engage here with. And we have to handle questions about all of life with that kind of mindset. And I think that's where I think their failure has been, that we've discussed about all these things, and we waited till the end to ask this question, would you accept Jesus? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's not how we engage. We have to engage all of our life with the question of gospel and offer the light of Christ through it. Right. We'll talk more about what we think Babylon B thinks the gospel is. Um, but I know you mentioned, and, and yeah, we want to be gracious for sure. We don't know what happened before or after the show. But at the same time, though, I'm not going to give them a pass because what's actually more beneficial for the viewers is to see that they set a good example. Hmm. But they missed that opportunity. And, and sure, in fact, I, I hope they had uh, better meaningful conversations after or before. I sure hope so. But to think that that could be an excuse because of a poor presentation during an important time when over 2 million people have watched it already, you know. Logan, did you want to? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any it, observations? Yeah, yeah, I have a few observations. I've been taking notes as, as uh, Jacob was speaking and you're speaking as well. Um, I think like, the, the general critique that I saw, at least on social media, was Babylon B did a poor job. And the general response, or at least the charitable response on, on some of them have been, well, it's stage fright. It's Elon Musk, richest man in the world. You're going to get a little shaky. And and there's a part of I think all of us who who do understand that right. I, I was at when I was at Talbot. I'm studying mm-hmm. under J.P. Moreland or William Lane Craig. And if you know their works or the kinds of stuff they've done in apologetics, it can be intimidating to think, oh my goodness, not only are they a professor, but you know their impact on the world has been so significant. And one of the reasons why I ended up going to Talbot. Yeah. 
you can get like, oh, what questions to ask? I don't want to sound dumb. I don't want to like, you know, be that guy who's mocked by one mm. of the, you know, significant people in my life. But then there's also the other side of the Babylon Bee who has, okay, maybe there's some hero worship going on. That's fair. There's also this other side, though, that like, okay, but they've been embroiled with CNN, you know, they've been embroiled with Facebook, Snopes, some of the big government agencies questioning the role of satire in in, in national politics. And at some point, there has to become an expectation that's like, okay, this isn't your first rodeo. You're going to ask someone like Elon Musk, you really have to come up to the plate and be ready for this. And this is where I think a good critique could fall on the Babylon Bee, and I would hope if, if they were listening or if someone from the organization listening, this is where they would hear it, is right at the beginning of the interview, you knew you were dealing with someone who knew what he was talking about, or at least he thought profoundly about comedy, is he made the distinction between Babylon B and The Onion. Hmm. And he said that there's a, a, a vast distinction between comedy that pushes a narrative. He also brought SNL into it. You know, the, 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 It's comedy to push a narrative. And he said that's something like propaganda. He said what he liked about Babylon B is that they poke fun to get to a truth, and that's what yeah. he appreciated about them. And that could have been a good conversation to have, which is, okay, you've, you've had the fun to get to the truth. Now you're at the truth. What do you, what do, do? you do with it? And I yeah. think a lot of Christians had the problems, especially at the end when they got to the gospel presentations. You got to the truth, mm-hmm. and instead of dealing with the truth, you backed out mm-hmm to the safe zone of another joke. Yes. And that is where I think a lot of people got frustrated. Yeah. And we we do see a biblical pattern um, throughout, if we see all the apostles and first century church, how uh, people have engaged uh, uh, with people at different levels, yeah. uh, to kings and paupers alike. But we, nowhere do we see that people have lost their confidence in terms of the gravity of what they've been holding and sharing it with others. And that's what we need as, as Christians in this world and culture that we live in, that we can't lose our confidence with regards to what, what's been given to us freely by Christ and offering it to others, regardless yeah. of whoever we are meeting and, and yeah. sharing it with. So again, tonight, if you're tuning in, uh, whether that be on the air, 99.5 KKLA uh, in the L.A. Uh, area, or maybe you're tuning in via the web, kkla.com right now. We're, go- we're live right now. If you want to give us a call, you, wanna, uh, you have a comment or a, or a question about the Babylon Bee and Musk interview, call us at 888-995-5552. Again, that number is 888-995-5552, and we'd be happy to take your calls tonight. So, again— um, uh, you guys know that I love part of my method of reaching out uh, with the gospel is to establish common ground, hmm. right? So during the interview, uh, we learned that Elon Musk actually knows a lot about Scripture. In fact, um, one of the things he said was that he appreciates Jesus because he's a good teacher, uh, he forgives people. Uh, we should follow him, um, and, um, and and all of those good things that we attribute to uh, a good teacher, right? What, what what do you guys? And we talked about this. What was missed there? Um, so he continues on doing that, and but but he's not sure about Christianity. We know that, but he loves Jesus, just like. 
a lot of the other world religions. You got to have Jesus. <laughs> but what what was the missed opportunity that I feel like all apologists? It's apologetics one hundred and one uh, that we should not miss. What was missed? Uh, I think uh, you talk to anyone around the world, regardless of what culture uh, you're engaging with, people would accept Jesus, a part of him. He'd be a good teacher. He would be a good prophet. But when it comes to accepting Jesus as a whole as to who he is, who he claimed to be, that he is God, the God, that's where the problem is. And I think... uh, there, there is a kind of religion that accepts a part of Jesus. And he is acceptable in the world. And it's acceptable to engage with that kind of Jesus with the world. But when it comes to uh, the proclamation of the gospel, what we mean by gospel, it's not a part of Jesus, but Jesus as a whole. Who he is a, I always say this. You talk to a Hindu or a Muslim, they would be uh, very acceptable of the fact that Jesus was a good teacher, a good prophet. But you mentioned that Jesus was the king they would ultimately reject that, reject his lordship because he would have then control over their lives and he would have his will over them. Uh, so I think uh, there's a need for us to offer that Jesus. And uh, any gospel is inferior if it dissects Jesus into parts and offers to the world. We should be offering Jesus as to who he came to be. Yeah. And I think you would be, want to maybe talk Talk about C.S. Lewis's idea of, you know, liar, lunatic, or Lord. Yeah. You know, he can't be uh, Lord and liar and lunatic at the same time. He's one of, with what Jesus said and things that he said and did, he is either a liar, a lunatic, or he is who he's, he's claiming to be, that he is God. And, and that's, that's the, the, to me, the opportunity that, again, if you are a child of God, if you want to... Uh, be faithful to First Peter three fifteen. Always being ready uh, to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. Uh, this is one way. Again, it's a missed opportunity, like you were saying. And I know we're uh, gonna come up on a break soon, but uh, we ought to remember that Jesus actually cannot be a good teacher. He he cannot be any of those good things unless. You say uh, that he is king of kings, like you're saying. So so C.S. Lewis would say he did not leave that option for us. He's just not that, you know. He's just not a a good teacher. He's not just a good uh, prophet. He's more than that. That's the thing. So if you cannot accept Jesus as Lord, because that's what he claims to be, then you automatically you have to... You, you, you cannot uh, uh, adopt the view that he is a good person uh, uh, because I, I, he would be a liar or yes. he'd be a lunatic. He'd be a madman. He, he'd be leading millions to their deaths. Uh, I'll just add one more thing before, Logan, uh, you can jump in here, is that we can't ac- accept Jesus and who he is based on our criteria, right? Rather, we have to accept him according to his revelation of who he is to us. Right. And that's what gospel is. That's what it fulfills in terms of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. So the question is, when we say this is what Jesus says, is it because of the criteria that apply on him? Or is it because of what, 
who he has revealed himself to us. Right, because we have to consider his claims. That's a thing. Exactly. So it, it's true what uh, Elon Musk said that uh, uh, he uh, that Jesus was a man who advocated for loving your neighbor to treat everyone the way that you want to be treated. Um, that he advocated forgiveness. Uh, so Elon Musk did all that, and in fact, um, he he knew that about Christianity, and he adopted all of that. But it again, it's interesting because Babylon B missed that opportunity to say, "Well, you're wrong about that," because uh, it de- depending on your understanding of his claims to deity. So, because if that's not true then that negates all of the positive things you say about Jesus. Because he claimed to be God. That's a thing. So that's an audacious claim. So it's either true or false. So if it is false, then, as C.S. Lewis would say, he must be a lunatic or a liar, or the modern versions would add legend um, and all sorts of other things. Yeah, so... Uh you have a few comments on that, I think, yeah, we'll, okay. while we run into the break. Um, as both you, Harry, and uh, Jacob have mentioned, you know, Lewis has, you know, like, the Lewis uh, trilemma, right? It's yeah. the idea of liar, lunatic, or lord. And what you got it is, you know, t- Jesus had a bunch of teachings. And the question is, what do you make of those teachings? Mm, if yeah. is, he, is he just profusely lying through his teeth to millions of people, or in this case, just thousands, um, did he actually believe what he said, which would be the lunatic part, or is he telling the truth, which is why he says, "Well, maybe it's the Lord." And the question is, what was he teaching? And then, where did like where did the trilemma come from mm-hmm. in Lewis's writings? Because this is coming from mere Christianity. Is he Lewis actually focuses on Jesus' teaching of forgiveness, which is what Musk notes in the interview as something that oh, like we should forgive sins. That's important. Now. Um, I know we're running into the break, so maybe I'll save it till after the break. But the question becomes, okay, but I think Musk, what Musk got wrong is that Jesus didn't preach that you should forgive people. He preached something a little bit different about forgiveness. And I think that's something we could bring up on the Yeah, definitely. Break. So I know we're coming up on a station break. So uh, please stay tuned, and we'll be right back after a few commercials. The mission of Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to apologetics.com and click donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting apologetics.com. Hi, I'm Pastor C. Wilburn from Cork Church, Los Angeles, and I'd like to encourage you with these words that Jesus said in John 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Think about three of those words. Thirsty, come, and drink. First, we have thirsty. Like when your mouth feels like the Sahara Desert. That's when we're craving a drink that could represent all of our cravings for all that money could buy. 
yet rarely satisfies for long. Secondly, Jesus said, come. To him, of course, come is a word that expresses action. It requires us to move towards him. Jesus is asking us to come to him. He's asking us to surrender, to cast ourselves empty-handed at his feet. And thirdly, he said for us to drink. Yes, when we drink of the goodness of God, that's when we find true satisfaction. Maybe you're looking for satisfaction today. May the Lord lead you to his satisfaction. You can check us out at courtchurchla.org. That's courtchurchla.org. Hi, ladies. Welcome to Open My Eyes. I'm Lori Wilburn. In recent months, we have been tuning into the wisdom of science. It's also true that many of us are relying on worldly voices to help us manage our trouble. In John 7, 37 and 38, Jesus said, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. When we face uncertainty and the vast questions that plague us, Jesus invites us to himself. We can read endless books and seek counsel from a host of individuals. But Jesus said, let him or her come to me and drink. Christian, whatever problems rage against our soul, God's Spirit is the ever-flowing, ever-living source that sustains us. We can flourish when the world is fainting. To learn more, visit my blog at corechurchla.org. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. Well, welcome back to the Apologetics.com radio show. I'm Harry Edwards, your host for the evening, and our show uh, has been uh, talking about the interview that Babylon B. had with Elon Musk about three weeks ago, or at least it was published on YouTube three weeks ago. If you're interested in that, it's it's there for, uh, you know, it's available to view. And again, our the point of the show for this evening is not so much to uh, disparage people, all right? But at the same time, we want to take this opportunity to um, highlight something that should not have happened because it's a huge missed opportunity. And it's it's a good lesson for all of us, especially uh, those in apologetics. We are supposed to be prepared to always give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So this is a classic example of not being prepared. And as you guys know, I love the whole common ground approach. And um, they missed an important one with Jesus. Elon Musk was a fan or is a fan of Jesus. That has to be tempered with the reality that Jesus claimed to be God. That's an audacious claim. It's either true or it's not true. If it's true, then he is Lord and to, and he needs to be worshipped. That, that, that's just the natural response. If that's not true, well, then he can't be a good person. Hmm. He can't be a good rabbi. He can't be a good prophet. And his teachings would be... Well, be suspect for sure. So, um, again, C.S. Lewis even mentioned uh, that Jesus did not leave that open to us. I I love that strong statement toward the end. Um, He's either 
uh, a madman, a liar, uh, someone you should not follow, or he is Lord of Lords, King King of Kings. Uh, the the other one that he did mention, which would have been nice if they asked him a little bit, you know, maybe I'm not sure if the Babylon B staff knew what the reference was when he said he goes. I, I think his words, Elon Musk's words, uh, goes something like this. He goes, I guess I believe in Einstein's uh, God, uh, the God of Spinoza, or something like that. Uh, I mean, for someone to say something like that and to not um, respond, I mean, that's that's something else, you know. I mean, because that's someone who shows that he has read philosophy and... Um, uh, so basically, like we were talking during the the break or earlier, if if you're not a Christian, anything less than that is just crazy stuff, right? Sure, I think you can get closer uh, uh, in, in terms of Christianity. Uh, like, for instance, a deist would be closer than an atheist. So Spinoza, if you guys want to help our listeners understand who Spinoza was, uh, what— what was he really known for? So if someone says, I believe in the God of Spinoza, which is what Elon Musk said, what do you think he means by that? Like, who who is Baruch Spinoza? Let's uh, start with that. Yeah. Before we come to that, can okay. I just, uh, just uh, mention something? Oh, uh, yeah. Because we're talking right. about apologetics. Yeah. Um, and... Um, one of the key things we need to be understanding as people engaging with the world and people around us is the fact that not always that they are they ask us questions in the form of questions. People are asking us questions sometimes disguised in opinions and beliefs and statements. And as apologists, we should be prepared to actually grasp those things and discern those those things and then offer a response. Yeah. That's an important thing as a tool. But yeah, before we get into Spinoza, yeah, I think like, yeah, uh, Logan your, was finishing oh, his thought. Yeah, oh, I finished right. my thought on uh, yeah. C.S. Lewis and his trilemma. And as Harry was mentioning, you know, Lewis concludes that chapter with Christ didn't give us an option to say he was a good person. It's he's either a, a you know, lord, liar, or lunatic. The question, though, that should emerge, okay, but what was the body of teaching, or at least was there a body of teaching that Lewis points to that kind of launches this trilemma? What was the thing that made it so that you didn't leave this out? And he actually picks forgiveness or forgiveness of sins, which is something that Musk talks about in the interview, saying, well, we should forgive people. I like Christ for that. Here's what Lewis writes. Here's a couple sentences from his book, Mere Christianity, chapter three, The Shocking Alternative. Lewis writes, one part of the claim tends to slip past us unnoticed because we have heard it so often that we no longer see what it amounts to. I mean, the claim to forgive sins, any sins. Now, unless the speaker is God, this is really so preposterous as to be comic. We can all understand how a man forgives offenses against himself. You tread on my shoes and I forgive you. You steal my money and I forgive you. But what should we make of a man, himself unrobbed and untrodden on, who announced that he forgave you for treading on other man's toes and stealing other men's money? Asinine fatuity, one of my favorite little comments from, from Lewis, <laughs> is the it. kindest description we should give of his conduct. Christ didn't preach that it was a good idea that Jacob should forgive Harry for treading on his toes or uh, Harry should forgive me for stealing his money. What he's saying is, Christ is saying, I will forgive Jacob is treading on Harry's toes. That is, that's not exactly the same thing mm. that Musk picked up on. 
it's a distinction I think Marx would also appreciate, which makes Christ's teachings that much more interesting, that he can forgive your sins against other people. And if he's not God, then how can he make that claim? That's right. That's right. In fact, that's very scriptural, right? Uh, I think in Mark, who can forgive sins but God alone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and now, when Elon was saying that I believe in the God of Spinoza, he was basically quoting Einstein, who who made a statement that he believes in the God of Spinoza. Now, Baruch Spinoza was a 17th century uh, philosopher. And um, when we're talking about uh, Spinoza's God, basically the closest we can come to it are, are two, two worldviews. It can be pantheistic and panentheistic. Now, there's a debate as to which one it is. Some even call Spinoza to be an atheist uh, based on his uh, views and certain claims that he made. But fundamentally, the God of Spinoza is basically a substance. It's a substance that permeates everything that exists. So the, the, the way to understand that is there's a substance, universal substance, which has attributes that are revealed in different modes. There are two kinds of modes. One is uh, uh, finite modes, the, the reality that we experience, and there is an infinite mode, like the laws yeah. of gravity. So like basically, and, yeah. this God, which, who is impersonal, it can't be a personal God, it permeates everything that exists, right? Uh, that's the kind of uh, God is what Elon Musk was referring to. Someone who doesn't interferes. Uh, So there's no notion of miracle. That's why he he had when he he was talking about Jesus turning water into wine. It could be a a kind of like magical thing in the sense that it wasn't uh, that Jesus was interfering in any way into the reality in which we exist. So basically the idea is that a pantheistic worldview where... God permeates the whole of reality, whatever exists, and has an essence in everything. And what's a popular movie reference for that so that you know, people can get a better grasp of, of what we're talking about? Uh, I would say, in my opinion, maybe Avatar. Okay. Would be a, a movie. What a about life Star of Wars? Pi? Star Wars, you know. Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. May the Force be with you. Because yeah. everything is the Force is everything, mm-hmm. and, and everything is the Force. You know. So the God of Spinoza is also uh, equated to nature. So nature, exactly. Yeah. So that that's and Elon Musk was clear on that one. So. Yeah, and I, I think it would have been a a fascinating response, and I, I'm surprised the Babylon Bee didn't kind of. I don't know if I would say call him on his contradiction so much, but earlier in the podcast, I guess, episode or in the the interview, uh, Musk talks about how human consciousness is sort of like a flicker of light in a vast and dark universe, Mm. which is very Carl Sagan Mm. view, but but it kind of presupposes a view of the universe that wouldn't have been sort of Spinoza's view of the universe as a vast and dark and hostile world and there's a flicker of light. Actually, it's wonder and full of God. And it would have been interesting to think, well, why would you view man as sort of this flicker of light of consciousness Mm -hmm. in a dark universe, but also believe that the universe is sort of the same flicker of light that brought in? And so it would would have been interesting to see how he would have reconciled those two things, sort of his mission to Mars and the sort of keeping 
humanity going with this idea of the universe is sort of being this self-expression of God. Yeah. And, and if you see that culturally, if we see there's a tension between two kinds of worldviews, and you can divide any worldview into these two. One is the idea of uh, 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 the dualistic idea in the sense that the creator God is separate from the creation. That's the biblical idea. And the whole idea of creation ex nihilo, out of nothing. That's the biblical idea that we have held. And in contrary to that is the idea of oneism. Mm -hmm. And that's so prevalent in our culture. And that's what was coming through even Elon Musk in terms of everything has this essence of God in it, including us. So it's upon us and ultimate reality being impersonal. It's on us to basically take the endeavor of progressive the, the progressive destiny, create mm. our own destiny, right? We are the ones to be marching out. So yeah. there is no idea of uh, uh, a revelation as, as a source of truth that God can actually reveal to us to pursue goodness, truth, and beauty in this life that he's given us, Yeah. Well, right? Rather, it is our own efforts, our own endeavors that will bring us to this utopia, a place of, uh, you know, our own creation. Yeah, and I, and I think you're right. What I think is so I don't know, fascinating, I guess, is that during the course when, when Musk is talking about this, so his purpose for sort of the Mars mission, um, his purpose for doing Tesla and, and sort of renewables and his talk on oil and all these sorts of things, this idea that we should do things to better the human condition. Yeah. He, he talks about being stewards of sort of the earth and his resources, which is which is good. It's a thoroughly Christian exactly. view. Yeah. And then they kind of went on the side trail, but they're making fun of it because one of the Babylon Bee people forgot or forgot or didn't understand heat death, not meaning he's like, do we adapt to be like lava people? Like not heat death as far as the universe is going to get hot, but it's going to get cold. Um, and Musk said, well, if, if the ending is just a heat death, then I guess mm -hmm. the journey is all we have. Hmm. And I'm going to build this, and I probably won't be alive long enough to see uh, Mars being sustainable. What's interesting, though, is that it's sort of like these – there's some beliefs that he has that seem to be pretty close to the heart that aren't coalescing very well with Spinoza's view of, of sort of this sort of God in everything sort of yeah. view. And he even leaves this sort of open-ended about – um, like he starts talking about aliens and his other life. He just has a very, I don't want to say pessimistic. He's very hopeful, but he's also very aware, aware that his hope has run up against the extremities of what that vision can bring. And he's not entirely sure what that means right. down the road a little further. Because ultimately it is reducible to humanism. He may not utter that he may not even really realize that but uh the, his the whole forward movement of man you can totally see that in his projects you know and so no doubt he derives meaning and purpose behind all of that but it'd be interesting to find out uh what he thought uh about let's say if i were to ask him i go elon but to what end ultimately mm -hmm. to what end uh is this a never-ending thing until like maybe the light flickers out yeah. So so you think that you're 70 years on Earth, actually way less than that because you didn't start designing Tesla at age one. So maybe your 40 years, that's being generous, uh, was meant for what ultimately? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you'd think that in, 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 in almost an infinite time and space that 
your life and maybe h- however many generations you affect later, which will peter out at one point, is okay, is worthwhile. And, you know, sadly to say, they will have to say yes. Yeah. But, uh, but wow, I think, yeah. But I think that was such the shortcoming of the, of the interview is that, you know, they had a way, and I think this goes to Babylon B as being so creative and so in, ingenious, hmm. to have humor like, oh, so should we just adapt to become lava people to get to the heart of the question of, finally, to the root of, of Musk's view of, well, maybe... Maybe it's just about a flicker of light of consciousness. We're just supposed to keep that alive. You find you through here. You've gotten to the truth. Like you got to it. Now what do you do? Yeah. And what Babylon B kept doing is we'll move on to the next joke. Like, no, you just got to the interesting part. Like the really cool, interesting yeah. part from an individual who's you know has such an influence on culture. Yeah, he's thought very deeply and very hard about a lot of these things. Those sorts of ideas have inspired him to do these incredible things. Now you've gotten there. What do you do? And I think that's what's so d- disappointing is that they got there. And then they just were like, oh, next joke. Like, no, <laughs> don't do that. Oh, I know. Uh, and we, uh, on, on more on, on a practical sense, like engaging with the world that we are in, we have to shun any kind of fear when it comes to presenting the gospel. What we have is truth. If we truly believe in it ourselves, we can't be offering to the world what we don't have and with the confidence that which we, with which we hold it. And that's very much important, you know. What God has given us is a valuable thing to be offered and presented in a way that honors God. And I think be it our interviews, or it doesn't matter if it's Elon Musk or whoever it may be. And I firmly believe, uh, someone used to say that, uh, a happy pagan needs God as much as anyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who is aspiring so much and influencing some, uh, so much the world that they live in and uh, their expertise and everything. They experience the same longing for the truth and the person of Jesus Christ as anyone else would. And as faithful Christians, it's our task to present that gospel faithfully, whoever it may be, you know, and redeeming those opportunities, asking good questions um, and seeking where the questions are and offering a response for the hope that we have in Christ. Yeah. So again, um, like I was mentioning it seemed evident during the interview that um, a gospel presentation was going to happen toward the end, right? They set it up that way. Um, and we've already mentioned how disappointed we were at uh, how it was done. So why don't we just get into this topic, gentlemen? Um, what is the gospel? Now, before you even answer that, and we've talked about this during the break, uh it is kind of lamentable and regrettable that um, most Christians today, uh, if you if you ask them what the gospel is, you'd have all sorts of answers, and um, many of them are even unbiblical. But it's become uh, so, sort of the culturally, socially acceptable way to define the gospel and or present the gospel. And like I said, a good example of what not to follow is what Babylon B did. But uh, l- l- let's just talk about oh, what the gospel is so, so that our listeners uh, will just get this once and for all. And, and, and we're not saying that we have any special claim to the definition, like we have special insight. This is not a Gnostic thing. It's, it's actually way more 
simpler than we make it out to be. And, and maybe to me the reason why uh, it, it's been um, the, the definition in our understanding has been filled with so many layers of just things we've heard uh, that, again, it's no longer biblical, uh, but the truth of the matter is it's actually way simpler than that. So let's, and we talked about this uh, b- before the show, so let me just hear you guys' views on that. Who wants to who wants to start? You go first? I'll go first. Okay. Um, yeah, we were talking about this a little earlier, uh, about the sort of the nature of good news. I mean, I think you could sum it up just right in the beginning with the Gospel of John, that light came into darkness. And John spends the rest of the gospel going, what did that mean? Well, you have the antecedent, which is darkness. This idea that where we're at, where we're going through, the bad news is right now, right? This is the bad news. The good news is that that's being redeemed through Christ, right? Through the person of Christ. And that would be the good news in a nutshell. And very often we miss the bad news part, right? It's just good news, all good news. And you're like, okay, well, what's the good news from, I think? And even as you say that, Logan, I get really excited about that because that is good news. In fact, uh, the gospel literally means good news. It comes from the Greek word eongelion, eongelion, right? Um, And uh, but even the sense in which the the Greek word is understood as good news, going back to uh, the Old Testament, it was good news as if it was received through a messenger running through town saying that we won the battle. And there's like a, mm. a loud horn being proclaimed from the you know rooftop saying, we won. Yeah. We won the battle. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like, you know, we, we've seen documentaries of uh, the end, end of World War II, you know, with the streamers uh, in New York and all that. And mm-hmm. it's just a happy, happy moment, you know, people holding the, the headlines, you know, we won, you know, good yeah. news. I mean, war is over. Yeah. So that is actually the sense in which the gospel is understood and preached. It is the good news. Like you said, uh, before we understand the good news, there's the bad news. Mm-hmm. And in today's culture— we don't understand what that bad news is, and, that, and, and that's the sad part, right? Yeah. And so even in the presentation of uh, the gospel by Babylon B, it's like, what, what is the gospel according to them now? It's accept Jesus into your heart. Hmm. And I don't know if you guys have thought about it. I'm sure you have. Uh, but that's not even in Scripture, accept Jesus, that phrase, accept Jesus into your heart. Uh, I love the picture that you offered, Harry, about you know running and proclaiming the victory yeah. uh, after a war, and that's why Jesus is very clear when he talks in Matthew twenty-eight that all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that Jesus has taught. Right, and that's what should be our basis when it comes to proclaiming the gospel. It's not just proclamation alone, but also doing the very aspect of making disciples of nation, this collective aspect of our existence that proclaims the worship and the glory of Christ that needs to happen. And that's why it is so important that we march forward and engage with the world with a positive eschatology (laughs) that is so much needed, right? That if you talk to anyone, any people of any worldview and talk about their eschatological position, they would always say that they are winning it. Mm. 
you come to Christians and you talk to them and they say that, oh, we are actually losing it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Christ has established the church as the light of the world and we are saying that the darkness is winning. Yeah. How can we function in that manner? Right. If Christ has given us the light, we have to bring it into the darkness. It doesn't mean that we won't have persecution. doesn't mean that we won't have any tribulation. That's guaranteed. But in, even in the midst of that, we march forward proclaiming Christ is King. Right. Because we have the victory, like you said already. And it, I, I should note how weird sometimes that is in evangelicalism, evangelicalism today. Like, we are winning by losing, <laughs> you know? So it's like people have this pessimistic view of the future, and they welcome it because they think that's when victory comes, only when that happens. And, and we live a very contrary life. Every yeah. morning we get up from the bed, and we go into the world and work for the world. Yeah. For what? <laughs> what are we doing it for? Right. How is it bringing glory to the Christ who won a salvation, right? And that should be our thing as to when, I, when, when God offers us a new day, how is it that we can proclaim the good news of his victory to the world that needs it so much, yeah. right? So that at the end, as we read in the book of Revelation, that the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of God. We await that day, but we work towards that. We run towards that and we do all things for the glory of Christ. Yeah. And, you know, people forget that um, even just a simple understanding of the gospel actually has built Western civilization. We fail to acknowledge that. So mm-hmm. even though Christianity is waning in the West, we're still having—we're uh, still experiencing the, the huge impact of that, the huge positive impact. So just imagine if we, you know, just shift— and turn our gaze to Christ once again. Can you imagine what would happen to our present condition? Um, so anyways, yeah, that that really is the gospel. Um, I know uh, if you are a fan of systematic theology and or you're a, a deep learner in Scripture, ultimately you know that the gospel is Jesus, uh, the God-man. He's the one that is able to uh, do God things and invade our lives in a personal way, and that's the human side of things. So I think we were talking about this a while ago. It's uh, the, the the God of Spinoza can't accomplish any of that uh, because the God of Spinoza is just an idea out there. It literally is just an idea. In fact. Uh, this is so disconnected from uh, his his personal relationship, whatever that is, that he can only be at all of God, like the way he he is he was at all with uh, mathematics or the laws of physics, hmm. and um, so it, it took a God man for God to reach down to us, and that's part of. The good news, and we just celebrated Christmas. You know, uh, God taken on human flesh. There's no way for us to understand this unless God reached down and be- became one of us. There's yeah. no way. The Greeks knew that. You're yeah, correct, but, Harry. And the the idea of God becoming man, the whole idea of incarnation, has transformed civilizations, and mostly the Western civilization. Um, 
Christ has offered us victory over sin, our ultimate enemy. Yeah. Right? That's the confidence with which we should be marching ahead. And I think this is available for anyone, any of our listeners today, regardless of who you are, where you are, and how you are. That gift of salvation is offered by Christ. Right. And it's for anyone to receive it freely. And that's the heart of the gospel is putting when when you hear people say accept Jesus into your heart what they're actually saying is trust the work of Jesus what he did on the cross for humanity that that's what we really mean by becoming a Christian Logan you you had something you wanted to say I do want to say something, just some of the stuff that you guys have been saying. I think it's it's so resonant, right? When you talk about like V-Day, right? Victory Day, you see the streamers, you see the crowds of people cheering, right? And we're all excited about that. But you roll the clocks back just a few years earlier and you get this this speech from Churchill when he talks about riding out the storm if necessary for years, if necessary alone, which is powerful language to show how desperate it was. And when you hear Elon Musk say something like the universe being dark and vast, but there's a flicker of light in human consciousness, he's so close. Yeah. He's, at le- he's at least in the group of people that says the light is not found in lower animals or in dogs and mm-hmm. cats and birds and rocks and stuff like that or in Mother Nature. It's found somewhere in the humanity. And it would have been interesting to talk about where does he find Christ in relation to that flicker of light. Beautiful. Well, you've been listening to Apologetics.com radio, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. Our hope is that you've learned some aspect about the Christian worldview that strengthens your faith and make you want to learn more. It's a special guest to my panel, Dr. Jacob Daniel, and to Logan Zapieri uh, for helping me out here and uh, our behind-the-scenes sound engineer. Special thank you to our listeners. Until next time, good night. <laughs>